This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. We're just about a month away from Retro World Expo in Hartford, Connecticut, and today I'm going to announce another person who's going to be there hanging out with us, Dan, aka Citrus3000 PSI. That's right, co-creator of the DC Digital, the Time Sleuth, the PS1 Digital, and then most recently the N64 Digital. So hopefully Dan will have some toys to show us, but either way, he'll be hanging out. So come over, say hello to any one of us. I really can't wait to see you all there. But we got a ton of stuff to go through this week, so let's jump in. First up this week, Mateus Bayes put together a video showcasing some older Sega CD homebrew projects that he was afraid may have kind of gotten lost to time, but are still really important and relevant to today. So the video covers the Genesis's much spoken about at the time 512 color phantom bitmap mode that was engineered by Org866 and has preset implementations by both Comrade OJ on the Genesis and Chili Willy on the Sega CD. So in this video, Mateus also takes a look at Chili Willy's MOD player that plays MODs adapted on the fly to play via the Sega CD's PCM RAM. Basically, this is a type of video that's designed for people who want to get into doing homebrew on Sega CD, or just people like me who aren't smart enough to, but absolutely appreciate what goes into it. So Mateus's objective with the video is to make the projects featured as accessible as possible to those who may want to play them. And they worked with Chili Willy to source the code for the projects, and then spent a month getting to gripes with the code and modernizing the projects. So if you're interested in this stuff, absolutely give the video a watch. Definitely check out his post over here as well that summarizes it. And as always, thanks to everybody in the homebrew scene. Whether it's uh, Maddie B over here making these videos showcasing it, or the OG developers, or everybody in between. So thank you all, and uh, I'm looking to see what comes next out of Mateus Bayes, including some games that are coming up. Pre-orders were just opened for a vinyl version of the SNES Breath of Fire 2 soundtrack. Price is about $40, and the scheduled release is in quarter four of this year, so probably by the end of this year. There are stores in U.S., Canada, U.K., and EU, so you, if you wanted this, you should be able to order it without having to worry about crazy shipping, no matter where it's coming from. And we're going to talk a little bit more about vinyl later on, so I'll just cut this one short for now. But if you're into the Breath of Fire 2 soundtrack, definitely check out Crystal's post for all the links. 
Crix has recently uploaded a new firmware for the EverDrive 64 that mostly just brings it up to speed with some of the features recently added to his other EverDrives, like updated folder structures and stuff like this. He also added a more accurate FPGA-based NES core for people who want to play NES games on their N64 rather than the old Neon emulator. Now, Crix also mentioned that this firmware will not work on the older V2 or V3 carts. You need to use the 2.0 firmware for those. I might be mistaken, but I thought that's already the case. I didn't think that was new news, but I might be wrong about that. So while I do own an EverDrive 64, uh, I didn't quite get that one. So if anybody here knows more about it, would you please clarify in the comments, as I really appreciate when you often do. But basically, if you have an EverDrive 64, uh, and it's one of the ones that Crick's listed as compatible, just download the latest one and fire it up so you can get all of the more modern features. And as always, thank you to Crick's for continually supporting these when he could have very easily just walked away a long time ago and we still would have been happy with the thing that we already bought. So thanks very much, Crick's. This week's podcast is once again brought to you by JLC PCB, and this week I'm going to start a new series that's focusing on designing your products around manufacturing and a part shortage. Because for a long time, people were able to just design what they wanted and then figure out the parts in order to get it made, and now it's the opposite. You kind of have to figure out what parts are available first and then get it manufactured, and then try to get it manufactured efficiently. And there's a few different ways that we can go about doing that, so I want to demonstrate some of them, and I'm going to start with a small little LED lag testing device that only has four components to make it a little bit easier to understand, but you can apply what we're talking about to any project scaled with as many components as you want. So let's just jump in, start us out, and get the ball rolling for this new series of how-to videos. As usual, start by going to jlcpcb.com, log into your free account, then click on Order Now and upload your Gerber file. Once the file's done processing, you can preview it on screen, and you'll see here a very basic LED lag testing board with only four components on it. Please take note that the components on the resistors on here are labeled R1 and R2. That'll be relevant in a second. And then in my past video showing you how to do this, all you'd have to do is just go down and click on PCB Assembly but it's not working. And that's because this is a board that's too small to go through their automatic assembly process. But there is a very simple fix, panelizing. Simply taking a bunch of these, adding it to one much larger board, and then they all break apart when you're done, ending up with the exact same thing, but assembled. So let me show you how to do that and there are two different ways. The first is if you want JLC PCB in order to, to do this for you, just go to delivery format and click panel by JLC PCB. Then you have to go and make sure there's enough columns and rows of each to pass 70 millimeters. So here it's going to be five columns and eight rows to make a panelized board that's 76 by 76 millimeters. Perfect. It is over the minimum size for that. Then all you'd have to do at that point is then go into PCB assembly and you can see that it'll be added to the order. Then just hit confirm. And that's one of the two ways that you could do it. Then you would just go into the regular assembly process like normal. However, the second way to do it is probably the one that I would recommend as the right way to do it, just to make sure. I would use whatever PCB software that you've used to create this file to do the panelization there. Not because I don't trust JLC PCV, but simply because I want control of every single step of the process, just so I could have full understanding of what to expect. 
The one thing that you want to make sure of is after you've loaded this up, it is correctly panelized in that it has the design on one, which is then just copied to the rest. You want to make sure that it still says resistor one and resistor two on all of these, or if you're watching this on video, you can see that it just shows that it's being copied. You don't want it so this is resistor three and four, five and six, then you would have to completely change the bill of materials, and that's not a proper panelization. The only other thing to note is when you're panelizing, you're getting a lot per board, so you have to order less overall, and it comes out to be about the same price. But that's where we're going to stop for this week. Next week, we'll continue right here with why this still isn't exactly where I would want it to be for a full production with assembly. There's a million other people talking about this, so I'm just going to make it very quick. Sega has just announced a Genesis Mini 2 emulation console. So it's basically in the same vein as the original. There's going to be a whole bunch of very cool-looking accessories released in Japan. The U.S. is basically just going to get the console itself. It's got a bunch of games, but they haven't listed if this is the final list of games or if more will be added. And some of the games are Sega CD games as well, which is kind of neat. So my thoughts on this are always the same. I hope I'm wrong. I always hope one of these companies is going to prove me wrong and make me do an apology video, which I would love to do, but here's what I think. I think this is mostly a cash grab. The emulation's probably still going to be laggy like the last, although somebody said that this is going to have different hardware in it. I don't really know what that means, and I don't trust anything until I test it myself, but I imagine this is going to be one of those things where hardcore retro fans would absolutely love the way this looks on their shelf, which I'm not talking down. I actually really love things like that. Wish I had more space. Even though I moved to a bigger place, I'm still floor to ceiling racks with boxes and components and stuff. Um, and I also think that it's fun for people that really just want a blast of nostalgia. Because if you're one of those people that you just you don't have time to game, it's not the most important thing in your life, but you just kind of want to see what it's all about, this is awesome. You plug a cool box in that looks like a mini version of maybe something you had as a kid or maybe something you've seen pictures of. You mess around for an hour or so, then you put it back in the box, leave it on your shelf. I think that is awesome. And I'm not, once again, I'm not talking down to anybody who uses it that way. The only thing that does disappoint me is these things do have the potential to be pretty damn awesome and they've already sold enough to prove that it's worth putting the money into so that people could get both an amazing experience and have the fun nostalgia factor and most of these places just completely drop the ball on that so uh, maybe it's for you maybe it's not these definitely aren't for me uh, but hopefully I'm wrong. Like I said, I, I want to be wrong. I want somebody to step up to the plate and go, bam, we just did FPGA into an ASIC and now have a brand new Genesis on a chip that's perfect. I would love that, but my guess, same exact, if not slightly tweaked emulation from last time that is going to have lots of audio lag, variable, just standard lag, and really not the best example of Sega Genesis emulation because there's a lot of really good software emulators out there. So we'll see. The team behind the Saturn version of the Baroque English translation showed us a teaser and a first look recently, and I guess this kind of came out because people have been talking about the translations for both the PlayStation version and this one. I think I may have gotten my facts wrong a little bit last week. I got the you know, the basics right. There was an English translation done for the PlayStation side. There also is an in-progress version on the Saturn version of it. Um, it's not really complete. You could kind of make out 
what's going on, but there's an issue with trying to fit all the text in, correcting everything, doing the proper translations. So it's it's not 100% there, but it is a great first look, I guess is probably the best way to, uh, to say that. So Dr. Emerald Nova and Knight of Dragon are progressing through the game and translating each in-game element. So uh, my apologies if I got any of the facts wrong last week. Please always reference the posts for stuff like this, especially if it's things that I didn't write. I guess even if I make mistakes for things I write myself sometimes too, but the Shiro crew is amazing. They get the facts right. They get their posts right. I'm just trying to do this all in real time as quickly and efficiently as I can so I don't ramble too long like I probably am now. Um, So I do make the mistakes uh, from time to time, but I think the bottom line is there in that the PlayStation version is pretty much done. A different team's working on the Saturn version. And I'm equally appreciative to anybody who takes their time to translate these games because it just means that so many of us could experience a game that we never would have had the chance to before. So thanks to all the translators. And of course, always thanks to the Shiro crew for helping out because I couldn't do this without you. Developer WebHDX, the same person who recently just did that new mod ship for the GameCube, has just released another mod, a way to take a Wii Mini and add back a lot of the functionality that was stripped from it. Now, if you're unaware, toward the end of the Wii's life cycle, they released an updated version, like they did with a lot of their other consoles, that is smaller. However, it stripped Wi-Fi capabilities, there was no SD card, and it can't do component video. It can only do composite, I believe. Maybe yes, video. Um, I didn't really pay much attention to it because of all of that. Also because I, I really thought that 480p was a great way to experience the Wii. However, it's a neat looking console. It's got a top loading DVD drive. And a lot of people, whether you ended up with one or just think it looks cool, might want to have it work like a fully functional Wii with the homebrew channel and SD card and Wi-Fi. And Tito from Macho Nacho Productions just put together an awesome video showing you how to take WebHDX's mod and install it into a Wii Mini. Now, of course, and I mean this with love and respect, if you're just looking to run the homebrew channel on your Wii, or if you're just getting into the Wii, I would suggest just picking up a regular one. But if you like the way this looks, you already own it. I just think it's awesome, and I love mods like this. The only other thing I'll add is that at the moment, there isn't a way to add back all of the video output functionality, but I hear rumors that something is coming for the Wii Mini. So my suggestion is, if you're into this stuff, definitely check out Tito's video and also the post that summarizes a lot of this stuff. So thanks again to Tito for doing that. Um, And just kind of see if this is something that you're into. And of course, we will let everybody know as soon as there's any mods available that are on the video front or any of the other stuff. I don't have details. I'm not really being coy. I just, I also don't want to announce anything unless it's official. So let's just keep waiting for that. But I think this is a great start and I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot of fully capable Wii Minis floating around out there now. I just did a podcast with Pat from the Sega Saturn Shiro crew where we talk about vinyl and analog audio. And I want to make I want to make it very clear the purpose of this podcast. The first was just to hang out with Pat and talk music, which is always fun. I could probably do that weekly and not get bored. But also I wanted to start the discussion about why you might want to listen to different types of formats over others. Same way we just talk about different ways of playing video games through different types of video output 
but audio is no different in that you could argue that there are some better ways than others to listen to certain formats. Now, in order for me to start making videos on this, it's going to be months. I will eventually get to it, but it's pretty hard and the most challenging, not just gathering the info, doing the testing, making sure I don't put out a video getting wrong info out there, but one of the hardest parts is going to be audio examples. Because even if you're watching on a, your cell phone, when I do those side-by-side -side video examples, I often use screenshots and just make it so that you can blow it up on your phone. I also try to often put those screenshots in the main page. So to do video, you could kind of go back and really see the differences. Even if you, you know, YouTube compression kills it, you could still go to the post, zoom in, and get an idea. But with audio, it's so much harder because what are you listening to it on? What's that quality? What's the format? There's just so many factors. So I just thought, why don't we get the conversation started? Obviously, that means it's going to be boring to some people and exciting to others, but I'm cool with that. I'm a nerd. I like boring stuff sometimes. Um, and Pat was a great person to bounce off of. I played a little bit more of the devil's advocate in this just so we wouldn't sit there and agree with each other for an hour. But uh, I really liked the, you know, the root of what's coming next. I'm going to be doing a bunch of audio videos coming up that, that are going to be pretty soon because you don't require uh, comparisons in order to get what I'm trying to say. But I think this is equally as important as the video formats we've talked about. And the only reason I haven't started talking about it earlier is, once again, the comparisons. So hopefully I'll figure out a decent way around that. But for now, if you're interested in that conversation and our thoughts, definitely check out the podcast. And if you also want to know how we're currently listening to two-channel audio, the list that we have in all of the descriptions takes care of it. Uh, we both absolutely love our setups and stand by them. I think Pat's is a little fancier than mine, but I still think my cheaper one would knock people's socks off if they heard it. Not, I'm not trying to say it's better, I'm just saying if you're on more of a budget. But take a look at all the links if you're interested. And the only other point that we made a million times in that, if you're just starting to get into this stuff, you don't have to spend any money. Go to a Goodwill, ask people that you know if they have stuff laying around. Just get a cheap replacement head for the record player if you're going to start getting into vinyl because you don't want some beat up one ruining your records. So spending eight bucks on a three pack or something is well worth the investment. So that's basically it. If you're getting into vinyl, spend eight bucks on a three pack of cheap heads and then go get free equipment you could find anywhere and then kind of step up from there where you decide. But hopefully the video sums it up pretty well and there's going to be a lot more stuff like that coming in the future. Now it's time for this week's Mr. Updates, Care of Lou from Lou's Retro Source. A couple of people have mentioned that I've been going on too long in these sections, and that really bothered me because I do not want to take away from Lou's video or Lou's post or any of Lou's work. Um, you know, I take feedback very seriously, and if somebody's like, oh, you talk too much, you fat bastard, that means nothing to me. But when people politely put it in a way of, you know, you're taking away from somebody else's video then that did bug me because I don't want to do that. I appreciate the hell out of Lou, and I'm trying to blow up his channel, not uh, not kill it. So let me try running through really quickly this week and see what you all think. And uh, any polite feedback, regardless of how harsh, I will listen to. Any douchebags get muted just like normal because I don't have time for you. But first up, Gaia Crusaders is out of beta, which is a beat-up arcade game. So if you want to try it out, check out the links. A track 17 has confirmed racing wheel support is coming to the OutRun core. It's going to be hard not to ramble on about that because I love OutRun, but uh, it is still in progress, so we'll let you know when that's out. There's a new public beta release for the Nemesis core, and that fix all known issues that were affecting the first release. So definitely check out that if you're into any of those games. 
Pierco has completed 50% of the sound for the Rodland core, which was turned out to be harder than expected, but that's going to be available pretty soon. And uh, it, you could try out the beta now if you'd like to, just by signing up for Pierco's Patreon. Once again, I will interject that I do love that kind of paywall. You know, if you want to be a beta tester, sign up for the Patreon, help out the creator. But this way, the Patreon creator, this FPGA developer, doesn't have to sit there and answer emails of why their core doesn't work when it's supposed to be in beta for testers only. So still thumbs up to that. Um, there's also another project that allows a, you to attach a color display to the Mr. FPGA. Uh, Lou showed that in the video as well, and I love all of those things. Keep them coming, please. Birdie Bro created some excellent documentation uh, for some of the scaling options for Mr. So you could go through and check out the different scaling ratios if that's something you're into. Um, also, there's another version of the OSSC add-on for the DE10 Nano. I had seen a Track17 posting about that. Uh, it's an open source project, so anybody could make their own version of it. But I think, respectfully, we should be thinking about the software for that, which I, I believe is also open source, because adding different inputs is cool, but I would like to see that progress and have some kind of open scalar platform we could use. There's also been a ton of fixes to the PlayStation Core, um, thanks to both Robert as well as Wickerwaka. And now there's also a Mr. Community Game Club. So it's kind of like a book club for retro gaming. So you could talk with the Mr. Community about that. That seems kind of interesting. I don't have time for that stuff, but I kind of wish I did. I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, also, Mr. Retro Wolf did another development episode, this time the 15th episode, digging into how to do certain things while creating FPGA cores. This week is CPU interrupts. Super appreciative to anybody who does stuff like that, because the more developers we have working on this, the better. And also, Wickerwaka just added sound to the R-Type core. I always liked R-Type. I stunk at it, but I still really enjoyed at least the first couple levels of the game that I could get to. So very cool that um, now sound is being added and we could you know, eventually be able to experience that. So there we go. That is a, an abridged version of what I would normally do for this. Please let me know what you think. And more importantly, make sure to subscribe to Lou and check out his post here if you want more info on this stuff, because there's so much going on in the Mr. Community, and I just could not keep up with all of it, as well as everything else I'm working on. So very grateful to Lou for all of his work. Uh, and let me know what you think quicker or longer for these segments. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sega Saturn game Tokyo Highway Battle 97 has just got an English translation. Developer Malenko, the same person who brought us the English patch for Fire Pro Wrestling 6, started working on another one for this, and it's 
mostly completed, so it's certainly in a form where you could try it out and start using it. And I had never really heard of this game before, and it looks awesome. It looks like a racing game, but, you know, a little bit more into it, and now uh, all of the most important screens, at least, seem to have been translated to English. Um, the Shiro crew has posted a very awesome write-up, including all of the tools used to do this, if anybody's interested. But once again, massive, massive fan of anybody who does English translations. And while all of these games look cool, this one looks right up my alley. This looks like a fun and, and silly racing game that I could probably have a blast with. So I'll definitely be trying this out when, as soon as uh, trying this one out as soon as I have a few extra moments. Uh, it looks very cool, and and please. English translation developers, keep them coming. We're all so appreciative of this. I know it's so easy these days to only concentrate on the, the shit talking and the negativity, but I promise you, more people than you would ever imagine appreciate this stuff. So thank you very much. Modern Vintage Gamer posted a video last week about Insignia, which is a homebrew replacement for the original Xbox Live, which was the service that allowed you to connect up to Xbox's servers and play with people online against each other. Now, there's been other stuff sort of like that over the years that kind of spoofed any land-based games in order to play over the internet, but this is actually a replacement for Xbox Live itself, and it should turn out to be a pretty awesome way to play Play these games if you're still doing online multiplayer with friends. Now, the Insignia team said uh, only a handful of titles are available to work on launch, but they're going to continue to expand, and it's still pretty awesome. I mean, they have Fantasy Star Online, so I think a lot of people alone would like that, as well as Crimson Skies and a few others, but overall, this is just incredible. It is the homebrew scene once again stepping up and really taking over when the bigger companies dropped the ball. Now, I understand Microsoft can't be held to keep up an online service for a 20-year-old console, but still, it's a feature that we no longer can use that people who bought that console paid for, and now the homebrew scene is making that up for us. So thanks to everybody involved. And, uh, you know, just on a side note, MVG still putting out awesome videos. I just have such limited time that if I have to choose which video or which which post I want to write up, if it's going to be from a more smaller or indie dev versus somebody like MVG that already has a massive following, I'm going to spend my time trying to promote the lesser known people. But I mean, no disrespect in that. Still love MVG's work and his videos. It's just I got to pick and choose my time. And I think he would probably even agree, uh, help out the people that need it and, and let him still keep rolling on YouTube. So thanks very much to MVG for making these videos. And of course, to Vanessa for covering it, because I still didn't have time to do it this week. So thanks, Vanessa. This Friday, Humble Bazooka will be opening pre-orders on a PC Engine Blue Retro adapter. So this is an adapter available in either white or gray to match the original PC Engine colors that allows you to connect Bluetooth controllers via Darth Cloud's Blue Retro platform, which is very fast and proving me wrong that for years I said I thought Bluetooth was too slow to work with retro, but amazing developers like Darth Cloud are making it happen. So Humble Bazooka took that project made up a PCB and is packaging it in a very nice 3D printed case. You could be able to pair up to five controllers, including multi-tap support with that, obviously, which makes this 
not only a great device for people that want wireless, but also, you know, pretty efficient because now you don't have to buy multiple controllers, a multi-tap and all of that. You could just use a bunch of controllers you already owned and connect directly to this. So anybody interested, they're going on sale this Friday the 29th at 12 Eastern time, New York time. And any more info that you want on this, definitely check out Ronnie's post because he goes into detail about what you might need as well as the actual latency numbers of some of the controllers when paired with it. Uh, I think the Xbox One controller so far has been the quickest, or no, I'm sorry, the PlayStation 4 and 5 controllers with the Xbox One coming in second. So still respectable for Bluetooth, 5-ish milliseconds, pretty awesome. That's pretty much zero for most gamers. So uh, the adapter is 50 bucks and available this Friday. So this week, we don't have one, but two posts about replacement shells for the Nintendo 64. I'll start with the first one. There is now a new Kickstarter that was just launched by the company Trogtech for replacement shells that they'll be selling for $70 for a single-color shell and $95 for a two-tone, two-color version. Plus, there's some special editions for people that want a limited run of stuff and also be able to support the company by paying a bit more but overall, this looks like it's going to be focused on quality. So they want these cases to feel like brand new from the factory cases available in a bunch of different colors. Check their Kickstarter campaign to see all of the different ones that they're going to be releasing. But they're talking about releasing colors that were talked about by Nintendo but never actually released, as well as some ones that kind of look similar to the originals. And it looks pretty cool. The goal is to ship in March of 2023, which seems very reasonable, because that should be enough time to get the tools and molds made, to start pumping them out, to go through a couple of revisions. These things are, always take much longer than people think. So um, it, it seems like a pretty reasonable goal, it, you know, of course, provided that they reach their funding goal. A few notes on this one. There's not going to be a top logo, because obviously Nintendo's suing everybody lately, so you can't do that. Um, internal cartridge support will be region-free, which means you don't have to worry about cutting or doing any of the mods. You could fit both Japanese and North American ch cartridges in this. Actually, you probably fit cartridges worldwide, so it'll work on all of the consoles. And the rear digital output shroud and main lower shell are slightly modified to allow an easy-to-cut HDMI mod. So that's going to be for people that have any one of the HDMI mods available for it. You don't have to get that perfection cut down. They're going to have a guide right there built into it to make it easier. So if you do have an HDMI mod, it could look a little bit more like a factory mod. Um, some of my friends are wizards at that. It really does look like a factory mod. Not so much... For me, whenever I cut those holes, I end up looking like a middle school shop class with a shaky hand. It's not good. So I have my friends cut them for me. But I could even probably do this one and uh, and have it look good because of the guides that are in there. So 70 bucks delivery next year. All of that seems pretty cool. But let's check out the other one that's available as well. A bunch of different stores on AliExpress recently started listing... N64 replacement shells that seem to look pretty good, and there's a few people on Twitter that have been posting similar pictures as well. But I don't really know what to expect or what the deal is. So, you know, the obvious question, why is there 20 stores on AliExpress that are all selling these right away? That is a little suspicious to me always. And a lot of them say one sold, three sold, two sold... We all know that a lot of these replacement shells, you know, they're, they're harder to sell because they're expensive and not everybody has the budget for that. 
but they sell a heck of a lot more than this, even with just the word leaking out on Twitter. So it is a little suspicious, but I ended up buying one anyway. Uh, it'll probably take a month to get here, so I'll let everybody know when it arrives. There's clear, blue, uh, white clear, I believe, and uh, I'll get the gray clear, so that it kind of looks very close to the original, but still transparent. And it seems neat. Price was $50 shipped for it, and I'm really just kind of curious... Is it a scam? Are they real? Or is it just a couple of uh, Twitter accounts and some sellers stealing people's money and taking off with it? Are they high quality and it's just one seller is just good at making this, but they're not very good at advertising? That's very common in the tech world. Um, also, one thing I kind of I found interesting was a lot of the listings looked very similar to the in-tech gaming listing pictures. That made me think, is this the same contract manufacturer that takes white box pictures for them? Or is this the Intech gaming crew taking their expertise at shells and sticking to what we all told them to, making shells? I hope it is. Um, I, I reached out to a couple of stores and some people posting pictures, and I haven't heard back yet. But I, I got to be honest. I, I said a million times, if Intech gaming made just shells, I would support them. Because I liked the Warrior 64 shell and the quality. I really liked the shell of their Game Boy thing. Hated the guts of it. But, you know, they're very good at that. Now... That team also does know how to do a Kickstarter. They managed to get two pretty crappy products funded, so I don't think it's them, because why wouldn't they just do a Kickstarter for this, since they're already good at it? But it does kind of look a little similar, so maybe it's just somebody copying a standard um, pr uh, presentation that you might see, or maybe it's the same contract manufacturer, but I just kind of thought that was fun. On a personal note, the only thing I will add to this is I started seeing pictures pop up for this a few weeks ago, and they're already supposedly for sale. So assuming these are real, I don't think there's any chance that this company or companies cloned the one that I just talked about with a Kickstarter. I would assume that their Kickstarter is in the place that it's in because they haven't bought a mold yet. And in order for somebody to just steal a product like that, like I could imagine a company... You know, a very common thing with some of these shadier manufacturers is to have a second shift come at night, use your molds and everything else, and just make more and sell them on the black market. And I don't think that's what happened here. I think this is somebody that just made a very good quality replacement shell. I normally would not feel the need to mention that, even if it was some random AliExpress listing. But when you have a whole bunch of sellers pop up with a product immediately that all haven't really sold any and they all have the same generic pictures, something looks fishy. So this doesn't seem to be a clone. I hope it's good. Uh, and the colors are different than the Kickstarter one. So if you had a color preference, now you have a choice. They aren't, they aren't making the exact same things. But beware. I have no idea if these things are real or not. I'll let you all know by the end of August if mine showed up. Um, if they are, awesome. If they're not, you know, whatever. At least I tried for everybody. But kind of interesting that we, everybody's been asking for replacement N64 shells, and when it finally happens, we get two of them. So let's hope the quality is good on both. Let's hope both are able to get them out the door, and I will follow back up as soon as they arrive. Before I go, I wanted to ask people's opinions on something. It 
if you don't care about this stuff, just close it off. There's nothing important after this, but I just finished a video about HDMI devices. So essentially I took all the posts I've written in the past year about those HDMI devices and took everything that I learned from doing the mini reviews in the weekly and kind of just explained out what each of these products do and why you might want them. And I was doing it from the point of view of a content creator that wants to do a roll-up video, and I may have screwed up. So the video is basically like a quick intro with some disclaimers, and then a lot of talk about the Matrix switches, and then everything that comes after it, the reviews and overviews get much shorter, because I already explained everything you'll need to know in the first two. So like review one is like seven or eight minutes, and the last review is like 40 seconds. And I thought that was pretty neat because I was visualizing people watching it just like the other videos I do, except that's not conducive to the algorithm. It doesn't help people who look for Amazon reviews. So I kind of wanted your opinion on this. What would you, the people that actually mattered to me, not, you know, the algorithm, but what would you prefer? Having a 30-minute roundup video like that where you could kind of just have it all in context and with it, or, you know, relevant to each other. So you could have a big picture of the HDMI devices I've been playing with to see if any benefit you. Or would you rather have like a 10-minute video on each one with a lot of repeated information to the point where I might just do voiceovers and record B-roll to explain it and copy and paste that in the different videos. And the advantage, of course, would be if you only care about an HDMI splitter with downscaling, just watch one 10-minute video, not one 30-minute video. And the upside is also that makes the algorithm happy, that makes Amazon happy. But the downside is if you want info on three of the five products I talk about, you have now you're wasting time. Now I'm, I'm taking too much time to talk about something that you would have already, you know, you would have already had the information on. So I would love your opinion on that because unfortunately we do have to bow to the almighty algorithm. Otherwise I won't be able to pay my bills, but how much I do that is really important to me because I don't want to fall into the trap of being an algorithm chaser because before you know it, six months down the road, I would have no articles on retro RGB, a whole bunch of stupid faces in my thumbnails and a bunch of content that most people probably wouldn't care about. So uh, I don't mean that people who chase algorithm make stupid content. I just mean that's probably what would happen to me. So I, I just want to try to find a balance and you are the best people to ask. So uh, if you have an opinion, please let me know. If you don't care at all, don't say anything. But if I don't hear anything or read any comments about it, then I'm just going to probably go with my gut and just roll out whatever I can in the shortest period of time. Because don't forget, whenever I work on one thing, I mean, something else gets pushed back a little farther. So I might, if I don't hear anything from you all, I might just release it as one video, forget about it and move on. But anyway, thank you to everybody who watches, listens, plays nicely in the comments, and especially thanks to people who support in any way possible, because it is you that is allowing me to have the choice of doing stuff like this rather than just be forced to be an algorithm chaser in order to pay the bills. Cutting it close, but it's still working. So thank you all so much. I appreciate you more than I could possibly articulate in these videos. So thank you, and I will see you all next week. <laughs>